I'm going to write a script. So I tweeted them a scene of like a tattoo parlor at night <laughs> and a suspicious customer walks in and he's like, what do you want, mister? He's like, something that better represents how I feel. <laughs> he's like, he, goes, he goes, well, how are you feeling, mister? And then he starts laughing to himself and he goes, all at all damaged. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Filmhouse, everybody. This week's episode is sponsored by Muggsy and Bombus. I've got my friends Alana, James, and Adam with me this week. Say hello, everyone. Hello, hello everyone. everyone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're going to talk about Joker this week. Um, Joker, an intensely dark, shockingly violent, and unique take on the clown prince of crime. It's a pretty complicated movie. Um, I think anchored by an incredible and fearless performance by Joaquin Phoenix, probably awards-worthy. I guess we can talk about that a little bit later. But this, I think, is also a film destined to be posterized on college dorm room walls next to Clockwork Orange and Fight Club. I don't know about you guys, but I've been thinking about this movie for days. Yep. Is, is Joker art, or is it just hate-fueled nihilism? Probably both. I don't know. But um, I think one of the reasons I liked it a lot, and I did like this movie, is because it is effective like that. It's not kind of the, the sugary, uh, just rush of a Hollywood blockbuster film. You think about it, it makes you consider things. And I actually think that's one of the brilliant things about this movie is that it reflects on the audience. And you go home and you think about this and it can tell you something about yourself, which mm -hmm. I think is powerful cinema. Mm -hmm. um, Eat shit, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> But uh, it, in 30 seconds. <laughs> this is like a heavily divisive film, and I think very, very fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, you just discussed that you talked about Joker with several people without spoiling it this weekend. So I think yeah. we should take a few minutes for those people that might be waiting to see what we have to say about this movie before we're going to see it. Um, just spoiler free for a few minutes. Um, I can point out somewhere around here when the spoilers talk, if you just want to cut to that part. And we will let you know when we talk about spoilers, so we won't ruin it for you. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, who here is most passionate about Joker? Passionate, like yeah. the character? Mm -hmm. I'd or say the movie. Let's, look, let's talk about this movie. What do you guys think about it? Because I saw it with you, so I know a little bit what you think about it, James. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have not yet talked to Alana or Adam much about Joker. Broad, broad perspective. Um, one of the things that I enjoy about DC characters more than Marvel characters, at least, what they do is that they can be played by multiple people and not take you out of the movie or a video game or a comic or radio play, whatever you choose to consume the media. <laughs> so I like that they made a a movie that was a Joker origin story, which I never thought I'd see coming. That wasn't the killing joke. Um, and it was done, I thought, thought well uh, for what it was. I guess that's sort of how you decide to look at the movie. So that's that's all I'm gonna say without spoiling. We talk about that later, though. <laughs> okay. So the Joker himself seems to be a character that didn't really need an origin. Like well, his ambiguous origins always kind of fueled he, part of the character. I was gonna say, yeah. Like there's, it's almost the anti-origin part of part of the mystique of the character has always been that you don't know where he comes from. He just almost manifested in response to something else. Um, and so that's part of the mystique of it all. So the idea of doing an origin seems weird. It's like, all right, now let's really solidify this character that is supposed to be so frantic and unquantifiable. Um, so just from that starting point, it seems like a strange idea. I think I'm, like, because I'm a huge Batman fan, I love the relationship between Joker and Batman. I'm just kind of not looking at this movie as canon. I'm yeah. looking at this movie as a movie about Arthur Fleck and not about 
Batman's Joker, though obviously it is in Gotham and we see references to, to the Waynes or whatever, but for the most part I'm just like, it exists by itself and I'm cool with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the point, The that's where they came from. I don't, yeah. I don't know that it was necessarily supposed to be where the Batman from Dark Knight comes from or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But Almost I mean, they've... this these, there's It's interesting, we're in a situation where everyone's so pissed off about DC not having a handle on its kind of franchises the way that Marvel does, but... This is only possible because they have no control yeah. over anything. Because they're scattershot, just trying whatever. They don't have a Feige who is managing all of this stuff, and it's just a bunch of studio executives saying, well, as long as you keep it, like, as long as you use a brand name, then you're good to go, you know? Yeah, I mean, I heard from the, like, entertainment world underground that uh, DC execs didn't want this movie to be made. Mm-hmm. I can um, see why. Yeah, because yeah. I guess it definitely doesn't fit <clears throat> with the most recent attempts they've had at a DC cinematic universe Mm -hmm. uh but to get to answer your actual question dan my like short spoiler free review would be uh i don't know if i love the writing but i think it's a really well shot incredibly well acted movie that has a great score and is super interesting to watch and very fun to think about so it's like regardless i think it's good i just don't think it's perfect i agree far from perfect but i think any movie that makes you think about it for for days or hours or whatever if if once you leave that theater, more than just like, oh, I like that. If it actually has you examine something about yourself or modern society, I think that is powerful filmmaking that we just don't get much of I keep anymore. reading reviews, and I never read reviews, and I'm reading features, even ones that I vehemently disagree with, just because talking about this movie is so interesting. It and is. I value that for sure. And I, th- I think there are extreme points of view about this film. Like, no one seems to just be like, meh. People love it. People hate it. People are dissecting it. Mm-hmm. Um Something something that is harder for me, just me personally, I, uh, like Alana said, I think it's maybe one of the most beautiful movies of the year, and it has one of the strongest performances of the year, and the score is especially standout when they use the score and not licensed music. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think it's like pre- and pretty incredible work. The only hang-up that I had personally for me, and this is just sometimes what I look for in movies and isn't a blanket statement on the quality of it is that it is very vague. Its yeah. themes are vague. It's uh, I feel exactly the same. The, the point of the movie is vague. The intentions of the movie are very vague, which is very befitting the character. You're allowed to, to have that and not every movie has to have a, a theme or a point or a message and I didn't feel like this movie had one. I feel like people are finding a message in it mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think it actually presents one and I as a person who likes to have someone to root for or like people to care about or something to be inspired by in a film um, not even be inspired by just moved by in some way I, it felt like there was a lack of that for me so it felt um, that that's my one criticism is like in terms of the way that it's written I didn't have yeah. anything to get my claws into but I'm completely consciously aware that's just a thing I like it doesn't yeah, make it a bad film it's definitely a personal preference and I don't think it makes or breaks the quality of a movie it, it does feel like it was made in a vacuum like the script was written in a vacuum like someone who doesn't know what the world is like in 2019 <laughs> or like just in terms of even politics or uh, you know human culture where that where we kind of are as a society they, they just ignored all of that and made the movie that they wanted to make Totally, totally fine. Well, I mean, it's basically just Taxi Driver plus the King of Comedy plus Joker. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what this movie is. But the the only problem with that, and I know people are drawing a lot of comparisons to Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver makes a pretty definitive statement. I think King he, of Comedy does too. He, yeah, like 
he's Travis Bickle is a ambiguous kind of troubled protagonist. But by the end of the movie, you're supposed to kind of look at the repercussions of what he's done and how it's fallen on him and the other characters that they show taking other methods because the the love interest, the quote unquote mm-hmm. love interest that he takes to a porn theater and taxi driver is supposed to is put there to be the other perspective. Yeah. So here's someone who's trying to enact change in a nonviolent, different kind of way. Joker only has his perspective, which I think is what you need for a Joker movie. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense to have someone else doing something unless I mean, part of me was watching this thinking, God, it would be fucking great if there was, if this, we just jumped right into a Joker Batman movie and Joker's doing this while Batman's trying something else. And now you have these two views of how to take action to, you know, do, but that's a different movie. That's not the movie they wanted to make. Yeah. I still bad for Jared Leto. Do you? (laughs) Said no one ever. Yeah. (laughs) Did he not send you enough condoms this week? There was, there was a thing said before Jared Leto was scene on the silver screen uh, that like there's never been a bad interpretation of the Joker mm. everyone who's done has done a, a fairly good job with the exception of maybe some of the cartoons like I don't remember loving the one from the Batman how dare you the <laughs> roided out Joker was he roided out with dreadlocks Didn't, what yeah I, I, don't, I remember not falling oh, in love God. with that one but being like well that's an interpretation that you've chosen that's fine Jared Leto still acted his little hot out it just he was trying right. something. He was a Joker befitting that terrible garbage world of Suicide Squad. <laughs> like, yeah. if you had Joaquin Phoenix there, it would have stood out like a sore thumb. But yeah, Jared Leto you're Joker. Talking about? Yeah, that's the one. I remember just not being crazy about that interpretation of it, but regard, it, it's. I think Jared Leto proved that you can have a bad interpretation of the Joker, <laughs> and <laughs> that's obviously it doesn't fall on the shoulders of one person. But like, and I don't think I I loved. Joaquin Phoenix's version, I thought it was, it was like, oh, that's a different take. I, I like it. I think it's great, but it's also, it's really hard when you have Mark Hamill and Heath Ledger and these ones that are like super iconic, even Cesar Romero. Like, there's some really good versions of there out I've there. I've been but, trying uh, not to compare them because I feel like it doesn't make sense to. Well, right. he's, he's such a different version. And I think yeah, yeah. Joaquin certainly like acted his heart out. Mm-hmm. He, oh, he yeah. lived in this creepy character. My my issue with Walking Phoenix, once again, uh, let's say I walked away enjoying the movie. It's fine. I have no real issues with it, but um, maybe it's something there's a lack of bass in Joaquin Phoenix's voice that like it doesn't, he didn't scare me the same way like Heath Ledger could turn on a dime. Once mm. again, not, I'm trying, I shouldn't have to compare. He's not as sinister, but I think yeah. that's probably because like for most of the movie he is he's not confident yet. It, yeah. it seems yeah. like s- such a more real scary to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I would say this is the most realistic portrayal of a comic book character that I think I've seen in recent memory, next to oh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, yeah, it, it, there's some big sh- clown shoes to fill. Sure. Yeah. I mean, part of me when I was watching it was wishing that we could just get out of this shackled version because we're basically watching the Joker in chains, right? He's mm-hmm. wrestling with who he is, who he, what his actual true identity he probably feels internally is. And then, so you're watching a handicapped version of the Joker. And part of me wanted to see what Joaquin Phoenix could do if you just let him go balls out. Mm-hmm. He gets there by the end of the movie, but even then he's kind of waffling. You know, mm-hmm. and so there's a certain aspect of that that I was like, oh man, I wish I could have seen that. That's not the movie. I, I I'm excited. I'm hopeful that we get more Joaquin Phoenix yeah. as the Joker. But that I don't seems, know how that works. I feel now. like Joaquin Phoenix would say no. Well, like, I yeah. don't see him doing well, it. Well, uh, the movie did too well probably to not get a sequel. Mm. Uh, 
biggest October opening ever, beating James's favorite Venom from last year. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy about it, that. Yeah, sorry, um, James. It actually oh, it okay. beat Justice League's opening as well. Mm. These are all um, fair in terms of caliber of film and yeah. effort <laughs> effortfulness of it filmmaking. Should have beaten yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with this. Well, it's, it's cool that I think maybe only the Nolan movies I can think of where they. They took a superhero concept and made it a bit more, and it maybe it has to do with the lower budget for Joker, not uh, Nolan films. Was it was a fifty-five no. million dollar film. Yeah, which is in in the grand scheme of things, next to the other, <laughs> the other uh, movies that have been made, it's a much lower budget, and so you have to kind of make it more of a character piece and lean heavier sure. into the themes, which I think is that's a that's a great idea moving forward. It is funny, and I love this concept of Hollywood because, like Alana, you mentioned earlier, how like studio executives didn't want to make this movie as they wrote a $55 million <laughs> check and handed it over, you know, like. Um, well, we were talking about sequel. Todd Phillips, before the film came out, uh, rejected the idea, saying that there were no plans for it. But since the release, Joaquin Phoenix, you know, he's been in a million interviews, um, says he can't stop thinking about the role, and it's mm. kind of become a dream role, which might be a little oh, twisted wow. if he can't, you know, escape this character. But I mean, mm -hmm. he probably feels the same way James does where he's like, if I could have just taken the gloves off. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he just, he seems very interested in it and hmm. is, seems open to the idea. I, I do. Uh, wow. I do want to see that Joker in a movie with Batman. I, yeah. I did walk away feeling, feeling that uh, I would, I would like to see what a seasoned version, what he looks like 10 years later. Yeah. Just, just out of curiosity. Well, probably more like oh, 20, 20 years <laughs> Time, Timeline-wise. Well, they were saying, because they're also really ambiguous of when the movie takes place. 1981. Does it say 81? <laughs> Todd Phillips said 1981. <laughs> oh, okay. But in the Very movie, there's, there's no, like, clear indication no, no, of that. No, 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 yeah. Because uh, when we were watching it, Jess was like, oh, that's so weird. That's set in the 70s. And I was like, I thought it was 80s. Like, we couldn't yeah. really. It, it does yeah. seem like 70s New York with it, all the graffiti and the trash. Yeah, I mean, it, it harkens to that era. So I, I got an 80s vibe <laughs> New York still it. looks like that. Yeah. But, uh, I was there last weekend. Yeah. The, uh, the rumor of the the new the one the new what Matt Reeves uh, Batman yeah. is that it takes place in the nineties. Uh -huh. So it was like, oh, that could line. It, I, I mean, guess, yeah, yeah. You're getting year one again, basically. It's interesting. I, I mean, I just assumed that Walking Phoenix would want nothing to do with the franchise because didn't he turn down Doctor Strange? He turned down Doctor Strange because he didn't want to be in, in a franchise Marvel films. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess in terms of meatiness of role. I too would probably want to be the Joker <laughs> yeah. over Doctor Strange. Fair. Not that I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is a perfect Doctor Strange, but it's kind of a role written for him as opposed to an amazingly written role. True. I think, I think he's perfect. But yeah, I, I mean, maybe there's also a world where he just doesn't want to sign a contract. Like, I'm sure if you go to Marvel and they're like, all right, we're going to put you in one movie, you have to sign a contract for 10. Like, Samuel Jackson signed this absurd contract when he mm. first got in. And so it could just be, like, DC's, like, well, we'll see, and then we'll have a renegotiation thing. Like, mm -hmm. so it could just be a business, Maybe. more business than art kind of decision. But I think there's also just more meat to the role. Yeah. Um, there is a lot to explore in this chaotic character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just, I mean, just to say it, I do think, like, all the controversy leading up to this movie... I did watch it and think, I guess I see where that's coming from, but I also think that's overblown. I think mm -hmm. I, it seems weird when you put that kind of value into media. Yeah, um, Hollywood blockbuster films. Yeah, I, I mean. I just feel like nothing was normal about that. 
like le- leading up to the Joker's release, the amount of fervor and it almost feels orchestrated to me. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> like they wanted that because it's good marketing. I don't, know. I don't know. It's also like outrage culture. You know, everyone just wants to be mad about everything. Well, yeah, now, it's really hard so. to talk about this movie now because it is used as a political vice, which sucks because I want to just talk about a movie. But yeah, it's it's now a, an indication of your political alignment, which is Obama. Yeah. I don't the know. The media did that, I guess. It is. It's. It's. But we also live in. We live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a society where a giant media conglomerate will give someone fifty-five million dollars to make a movie about you know a mentally ill person who commits violent acts mm-hmm. against arguably, in a lot of cases, the innocent and sometimes just the public at large. Mm-hmm. And Plaster them on giant billboards. I mean, I, I believe all kinds of movies should exist. I think you should, if you have an idea for something, you should tell it. There is no story that shouldn't be told because that's part of art. Yeah. Um, it is maybe a little strange. Maybe we're coming to terms with it as a group that now that same type of movie has a hashtag, you know, like has True. a formal hashtag and billboards on Hollywood Boulevard as opposed to say Taxi Driver, for example, which just kind of was this niche film that kind of came out and then gained buzz and was kind of shared in cinemas and then eventually grew into the phenomenon. It's odd to have a hyper-marketed Scorsese-esque film. (laughs) It's very strange. Tied to a brand which we are still coming to terms with being an adult piece of material. I, I like I'm totally aware of comics and and the comic book movies having more merit than people have given them for the last, you know, four decades or whatever, but I think as a society we're still coming to terms with that and the a lot of people go just kids comic book bo- superheroes are for kids. Mm-hmm. So when you make a movie like this that's so out of it, I think there's a bigger reaction than maybe there needed to be. Yeah, I mean to jump off of that and and backtrack on a little earlier about how you and I sort of felt the same in it the one thing that we personally don't love about it is that there isn't a strong theme. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's also because it's a DC movie. So it's like, if you're making a taxi driver or a king of comedy, Mm -hmm. you can commit to something that may be controversial, whereas when you're making something for the DC audience, which is everyone, because Batman is one of the most recognizable pop culture figures ever, Mm -hmm. you kind of can't make a statement because people don't want that in their superhero films, and it still technically is one of those. But it's also... There's too many people. <laughs> it's just so many people to show this movie to. It's millions and millions of people. It's more than Venom, apparently. Yeah. You're like, we can't really say anything. It's still a DC movie, so I get that too. I, I think there were. I never mind. That was that's kind of spoilery. Um, you want to just move on? Yeah, yeah. yeah let me. Spoilers. Or? Actually, real quick. So, so the Joker um, was wearing pretty ill-fitting old clothes. It's during true. The Joker. Yeah. Um, if he had gotten himself some Muggsy jeans, oh. which are the most comfortable jeans ever made, maybe he wouldn't have uh, snapped. Muggsy jeans are the most comfortable men's jeans ever made, and that's no exaggeration. Muggsy's are real jeans that literally feel as comfortable as sweatpants. The magic is in Muggsy's proprietary fabrics, which include a blend of high-tech materials that make these jeans mind-blowingly soft and flexible. Best of all, Muggsy's come in a stylish fit that's not too baggy, but not too tight, so you look even better than you feel. If you want comfortable jeans that look good, Muggsy jeans are for you. The guys at Muggsy are so confident you'll love them, they offer free USA shipping and returns, so your comfort is 100% guaranteed. Do your legs a favor. Grab your own pair of the jeans that are sweeping the nation by heading to Muggsy.com. That's M-U-G-S-Y.com, and use code FILMHOUSE for $10 off. 
So again, that's Muggsy.com and use the code FILMHOUSE for $10 off your jeans. They fit really well. They're pretty great jeans. Thanks, Muggsy, for sponsoring the show, letting us talk about Joker. Check them out. Use that code FILMHOUSE for $10 off. And thanks again. So yeah, I think we're going to go full spoilers now. Why'd you get in the fridge? <laughs> to be weird, I think. It was, it, that was his representation of his him cocooning himself. Yeah, supposedly was it was just like something that they randomly shot and it doesn't mean anything is well, what they yeah. said about it. Movie but everyone's like, here's me. what it means. Yeah. 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 I, so, yeah, we, we watched the movie over the weekend and the whole time, only because I thought the only way they could make this movie well was if the Joker is an unreliable narrator, mm-hmm. which you get pieces of in The Dark Knight and other forms of media or whatever, where it's like, like James was saying early on, he shouldn't have a backstory. Probably, I think that makes Joker more interesting. He can. I just my perf- there's a lot of things about the movie that I'm like, yeah. oh well, my preferred version. I, well, I think I think what makes Joker interesting is that it, the story is never the same. He's a compulsive liar. Yeah, I, there's yeah. some multiple choice quote, but from the yeah. Joker. Yeah. So I think what, when I walked away from the movie, I looked at it as you have to second guess every scene in the movie whether it happened that way or not. And I think that's what makes it more interesting. I wish there had been a little bit more of that because Mm -hmm. like, while I get that, I mean, the minute that the girl he was stalking showed up at his door, I was like, that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I feel like it was very obvious to me what was real and what wasn't. And some of this, the stuff in this movie definitely does happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just, I I feel like if they had uh, done more of that, I would have found that fun. Like, like if they had it on Shutter Island levels of... Like, what's I th- real? I think, I think it was really unclear because, like, the very last scene in the movie when he's in his cell laughing about something and telling people they wouldn't get the joke, you could actually contextualize that as the entire movie having been yeah. hallucinated, yeah. which, mm-hmm. which is, is kind of stupid. I would say just for the sake of filmmaking is terrible Yeah, because and you don't stupid, sit through two hours of a movie and be told it was all imaginary. Maybe. But there is a word. I thought I was kind of hopeful, and I'm not saying this is a better version, but I thought that in the beginning, when he's meeting with his uh, state, uh, state his therapist, yeah, therapist, assigned therapist or whatever, who doesn't give a shit, he he they reference the fact that he had already yeah. been incarcerated in a hospital mm-hmm. for his condition, right? So like he's already he already starts a movie pretty unstable, which is one of my minor hangups. As I'm like, we didn't really see him transit. We just saw the first time he murdered someone, not mm-hmm. really him go crazy because he's kind of been crazy his whole life, but. Um, I was like, oh, wouldn't it have been cool if he, none of that, like, that was a manifestation? Like, he's... What, his, he's, his he's, time with the therapist? No, everything. Like, no. everything was, but with a purpose. So, like, he talked about how he was in a mental hospital, and this is just a fantasy of one of the scenarios that he's concocted for himself as ha- how he got to this mm-hmm. point. Um but if you just tack something like that on at the end without revealing the world and revealing that, like, you would have to basically pull out and then reveal that Maury was still alive. Yeah. You yeah. have to, you have to give some yeah. hints You'd as to, to what was actually real. You'd have to set stuff in there if that's such a major part of the plot. Um, that's why it, it seems like slightly weak filmmaking, because you're going for this high-minded idea that it's like an unreliable narrator, you can't trust anything, but you still, I feel like, have to give the audience enough tips beyond the... the Zazie Beats character, mm-hmm. which they very clearly yeah. showed. Yeah. If you wanted any more of that to be questionable, I think, like you said, you have to see Murray at the end. You have to see his mom hmm. or, or, or something. That was or or the, the you world. Have see, you have to see that sign that he was accused of stealing in the mm-hmm. back of his mm-hmm. apartment or something like that. That's why I like, I don't know, yeah, they're, one of the biggest criticisms I saw was that they were a little too heavy-handed with the fact that he was hallucinating his neighbor girlfriend mm. and that 
if you had deleted that scene where they showed the before and after, it would have probably been a stronger case to call into question everything that's happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, I like just explaining it. Yeah, so I, so I just kind of choose to believe that they put that scene in because test audience is like, wait, why, why don't, why doesn't she like him now? And they went, <laughs> oh god, we have to add this scene yeah. in here. But real what does quick. it mean? Which again, they probably did. Like, yeah. I think we're speaking from a point of, like, really being into this character and really being into movies where this movie has only been as successful as it has been because it does kind of achieve a certain broad appeal. Mm-hmm. So there is <laughs> there is some credence to the test audience. I just think when you're saying what the movie is or isn't about, the reason there's so much discussion, which spirals into argument, which sucks, mm-hmm. but, like, is because it is kind of vague in those things. Yeah, um, my mm-hmm. answer to that, or the take that I have, is that this movie is about nothing other than being a character study about Joker. That's mm-hmm. it. I don't sure. think this movie's trying to make a point. I don't think it's trying to be pro-mental health care. I don't think it's trying to be a comment on society. But people can jump in and read all of those things, and I think that's kind of an asset to it. That's the thing I don't like as much about it, but you having know, so many different takes is kind of cool to watch. I, I agree. It, it tries to have things like social inequality and class warfare in the film to pretend like it's thematic, but it doesn't really address them in any way. It's it's super thin. Mm. But where I do think the movie might try and make a statement is when, at the end, when he has a little monologue when he's on stage with Murray, you know, it's a pretty nihilistic, nothing matters, no one cares about anybody, let chaos reign. Like, that is a part of the movie that is having a very direct statement with Arthur talking to the camera, <laughs> talking to the audience of the film. But he mm-hmm. even he even says like he's like I did I had no intentions for this. This wasn't my plan. It's just he's just sort of like uh, James was telling me before I saw the movie, um, and I kind of agree. But he sort of bumbles his way through yeah <laughs> through becoming the, like he he kind of accidentally finds himself becoming the Joker in a weird way. Like yeah, he's he's all sloppy. Whereas. I think our interpretation of the Joker has always been he's been very cunning. Oh, he's hyper smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a backup plan for his. Plan. Yeah, yeah, he has a backup plan for his backup plan that he just he operates on a different level. But it's always you know a Daysox uh, Machina where it's like, well, of course, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, it's like I knew Superman would be here, and that's why I have a crypt, you know, I have kryptonite gloves. And he's like, okay, well, that's, that's just you know, mm-hmm. that's action writing or you know, comic book writing, or whatever. But for this one, it was he. I I did like the part where he he was going to blow his brains out and then on a dime he he Didn't. flips because he's he tells this joke and Murray interrupts him and he <laughs> for all intents and purposes it looked like he his plan was to blow his brains out and because he was so unhinged one thing changed and then he went it, it changed the whole course of things once again could have happened could have not happened we don't know <laughs> It's uh, it's all in his head, perhaps, but I yeah, did. I think it happened. That, that was that was in the world of the movie. It happened. That was a interesting Joker moment where you yeah. have a character who that's letting chaos reign. Yeah, right? and that was the moment in in uh, Dark Knight when he gives Harvey Dent the gun, and he's just sort of like, "Yeah, kill me, do it." Like I don't care. <laughs> it's just even though I think the gun was unloaded, I don't forget. It just it was a little strange for me. My like my only real nitpick of the character is that lack of genius level thing. And that's just something that I've always liked about the Joker is that he comes up with this plan that like no one else could, but that's also the reason that he's a violent criminal mastermind is because he sees the world in different colors than we do. Um, I mean there's a running theory that Arthur Fleck is the person who inspires the Joker rather than becoming yeah. the Joker mm. himself because it is hard to picture. He yeah. isn't really smart enough. And also, the Joker's rich. <laughs> he's always got money. Yeah. Uh, this guy doesn't have doesn't any... Doesn't steal all that money? Yeah. yeah, but he's smart enough to know how to steal <laughs> it. Like, it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. And I, I feel like, mm. again, I'm just thinking of this as being a complete standalone piece where I'm not worried about how it ties yeah. into canon yeah. at all because well, it's easier. 
going into the complete standalone piece thing, e. I what? No, oh, good. I was just say, in a perfect world for me, Arthur would have died at the end of this movie. Mm. Hmm. Like a bunch of stuff would have gone crazy, and it's like, oh, he's finally become the Joker, and then he gets shot and he dies yeah. because they're like, well, that's just this. This is the sta- a standalone thing. We can do whatever we want to. I also wasn't personally crazy about the Batman stuff. I, I, that was actually one of my big um, dislikes of this film was having any of the Waynes, Alfred. I know. Like, I just I, I saw I, it as I pointless. I didn't need it necessarily. No. I guess um, I, Bruce I, Wayne does not need to be in this movie. I I did like the fact that for once they showed more more of Batman's parents because the Waynes are kind of tied to you know Gotham uh-huh. by the belly button. Mm-hmm. And so I did like that there was an interpretation that didn't show the Waynes as being perfect and good. And I mean, yeah. Thomas Wayne is one of the villains of the film. Yeah, and yeah. and seeing it from someone else's perspective, you get that. I think the only version I've seen of that is the Telltale Batman, mm-hmm. where they say, well, maybe the the Waynes aren't so perfect because mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things when you get older, you realize that if someone's rich, they probably did something bad to get there. Yeah. Um, and whether it could be in from a certain perspective it could be seen as good or bad. So I did like the fact that if this is Joker telling the story, of course the Waynes are evil and corrupt and you that's his version of them. Yeah. I, th- I think where it crossed the line from like interesting tie in to the universe to going across that line was when essentially Joker's riot that he somehow caused also caused the death of the Waynes, which creates Batman. Well, it's See, also I like, like that. one block away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that it... Yeah, why are you going downtown to watch Zorro during a riot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that in terms of, like, filmmaking and it being a strong film, it probably should have done without those, but I like them because those were some of the only parts of the movie that made me, like, fully feel something. Hmm. was like, oh, man, the day that Joker is born is the same day Batman is born. Yeah. Like, I thought that that was cool. That's yeah. definitely a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Someone definitely <laughs> yeah. said, said it, that. It's more of a Tim Burton throwback where... Jack Nicholson says the exact line like, yeah. "So what? You oh, created me. I created you." Yeah, where it's like, "I killed your parents," and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think part I, I like I like all interpretations of the Joker, Joker so far, but I, Chris Nolan one being my favorite, where he's almost not even a human; he's an entity that is manifested from Batman's existence. It is the the good and the bad, the yin and the yang sort of thing, where it's like he only exists to counter Batman. Well, that's a big like part that. of the motivation thing. Is like people are like, well, we don't know what Joker's motivated by, and I keep being like, well, usually Joker's just motivated by Batman. That's it. Mm-hmm. All he wants to do is get Batman's attention, make Batman break, do something to Batman. Yeah. So without that, it's very odd. You're like, I don't know what he wants. Mm-hmm. What is he trying to do? But he says that, and I liked when he said in the Dark Knight, he's like, uh, I'm like a dog. If I if I ever caught a car, I wouldn't know what to do with yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he just says like, I enjoy the thrill. I don't. He has yeah. he has no plan, and that is a I think that's a well written Joker where he. He is a nihilist, but he's also selfish I, in a weird way. Thinking about it, like over the weekend, I think I solidified my favorite my favorite moment of the movie and my least favorite moment of the movie. And my favorite moment is when he's at the clown union, <laughs> which there's a clown union, but he's at the clown union. That was really strange that there's just a place that they all get dressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, and so <laughs> a bunch true. of them make fun of a uh, a little clown. Um, a a short person. It's like Kiwi too, right? He had a funky yeah, accent. They they I think he's British. Um, yeah. they make fun of him, and everyone <laughs> else laughs. And they establish, which is something I really like, that uh, this version of the Joker has a brain condition based off probably trauma um, that causes him to laugh 
in not comedic times, yeah. just inopportune times. It's like Kinda a nervous tick. Yeah. It's like a, mm-hmm. almost like a Tourette's. Yeah. It's like a nervous tick. Mm-hmm. And everyone's laughing at the joke at the expense of this person. And he starts laughing too, but he's clearly like, he's like uncomfortable by it. And you're like, oh my God. Like, like he this does is such the, a good job of acting uncomfortable while the, laughing too. The Damn. worst time, but he walks out of the room and then immediately turns it off. Mm. And it almost felt, that was the most Joker moment in the whole movie for me because it mm. felt like he was like, Here's this situation. Uh, everyone else is laughing at him, so I'm going to fake my fake my like my not real laugh. Oh yeah, it's like a it's it's like a triple twist where he goes, I'm going to fake this not fake laugh to make it seem like oh my god, I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, but I am actually laughing at him. And as soon as I'm out of the range, I'm just going to turn it off. That's there's still my th- favorite shot from the trailer too. There's only one scene where he's able to turn it off at a whim, and it's that. And he just immediately comes out of it and he moves on and he goes hmm. into the office so to he handle must business. Be it. Well, when he stops taking his meds, he doesn't have that laugh at all anymore. That's true. And I don't know. He starts laughing when he thinks things are genuinely funny. Well, I love the the stand up is one of my favorite ones where he watches someone else's stand up. Uh-huh. He's always laughing a second too late, yeah. not because he's wrong about the jokes, but because he's laughing because other people are laughing. Uh-huh. So you always hear him laughing well, completely he was out of context. Not, not funny part. I think he was, and that's an interesting question: is was he laughing at the things that weren't funny? I think he was laughing just slightly too late because he heard other people laugh. He's like, oh, I'm supposed to laugh now. But he was just delayed on it. Could also be that he was laughing at things that weren't funny rather than things that are funny. I liked his knock-knock joke. I was going to (laughs) say. I I laughed out loud when everyone's booing him. I was going to say, my least favorite part of the whole movie is he had good jokes, and the movie treated them as though they were bad jokes. There's a one point where Maury is showing off his tape to show how embarrassing this comedian is. And he goes, my mom told me no one's, I'll never be a stand-up comedian. Who's ever going to laugh at you? No one's ever going to laugh at you. And then he goes, well, guess what, mom? No one's laughing now. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good joke. That is a good joke. <laughs> I hope I hope my life makes more sense. My sense. life yeah. sense in death or whatever. Like it was. Death. Yeah. I was like, these are good jokes. <laughs> but the whole movie treats it as though he's like a failing terrible comedian. Mm-hmm. I also like this notebook of porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was one of those telltale psychopath signs, mm-hmm. I think. There's certain yeah. stuff, and I, I'm sure it's in there. Like, maybe you just need to watch it a couple more times. I'm just, certain stuff that's in there that I wish was maybe a little more double twist intentional. So, like, him bringing a gun to a hospital <laughs> is a hilar- <laughs> is just a hilarious sequence of events, and I really enjoyed it. But then the rest of the movie treats it as though it was an accident. But I wish there was something in there that maybe treated it like it wasn't. Well, it falls out pretty stupid. It falls out <laughs> stupid, and then he's like, oh, and then he like like he goes, takes it to the little girl, yeah. and it's like it's a really funny it's moment. A good sequence, yeah. But then it's immediately followed by like the regret of it or whatever. And I wish it's probably in again. It's probably in there. Maybe I just you just need to watch it more than once. But it felt like that the movie treated it like what a fuck up. But I wish it treated it like he really wanted to go to that hospital and shoot some kids. <laughs> but he's still wrestling with all of this. And so, you know, it's like, they do say, why did you bring a gun? I don't know. It's something, there's stuff in there. It always straddles that line. The whole movie straddles that line for me, which what? I like, but also frustrates me. Yeah. <laughs> what if when the little sick kids try to take his sign? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Got to defend himself. Um, so something that I really thought was interesting about this movie, but I also consider pretty dark, is that similar to, like, Batman is the hero that Gotham needs... In this movie, Joker seems to be the hero that Gotham needs. Yeah, he's in fixing the, the class it, yes. warfare problem. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, mean, I don't know. I guess it, maybe, it's a maybe the word hero is not the right word, but the the symbol. The, sure, sure. Because the city is, the, there is a class dispute and 
the there's trash everywhere. Yeah, the, the rich guy running for governor yeah, is not New making York's still things like that. better. Like when he's saying like you're all you're all garbage. When I'm mayor, you're going to be more garbage, and they're cutting all these things. So like, yeah, it is an extreme version of it, but they needed a. That symbol, boy. I guess, to, yeah. to set everything off. Yeah. I, I just I find that flip on the on the Batman mythos a very fascinating part of this film, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that someone through violence is what gets people together is, is fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's a the train shooting is a direct take of a subway shooting that I think happened in eighty four, eighty five, where a guy basically killed a group of black kids who he thought was going to rob him but it turns out he was just a racist or something <laughs> like i'm hoping okay. that's the correct turn of events that would like ended up being this huge spark for a conversation about racism and mm-hmm. gun control and all this other stuff and i think that's basically what this is supposed to be is like no nah, he just kind of killed him like just kind of happened and well, then it's just like he's got a gun. something they, political well, they, they show that in the beginning it's self-defense and then he guns a guy down who's crawling away for his life yeah or limping away and which, then dances in a bathroom after he's done it God, yeah that, the fucking demented dancing was amazing he dances a lot too I loved it yeah I mean not loved it in a good way yeah no it's, but it was it's so terrifying. amazing to watch he's, I could have yeah. I could have done without Gary Glitter only because it reminds me of pedophilia yeah I, that, uh, for that, me, honestly, the whole Gary Glitter thing, like, I know that is a hang-up, but I just didn't think the song tonally matched. Like, mm-hmm. whether or not there's intention behind the artist being a twisted freak, and that's why you put it in, oh. it's just, that's the song that the 1993 Chicago Bulls come out to. <laughs> well, and I think that was the point, is, like, he was going to his big show. Like, he was going to yeah. the big game. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it took a Jock Jam song. But that's, that's the, what was... There was 30 other Jock Jam songs they could have But that kind of goes back to, I think, what, like, Alana and I were saying is that I I don't know what it's – the music is for the audience. What is it trying to tell the audience? Mm -hmm. Like, I get that he's coming out, but, like, shouldn't we be afraid of this? Why are we excited for this? Well, I actually wondered if that song choice was there to make people uncomfortable because it's the song by a pedophile. (laughs) I guess. I just – I was uncomfortable because I just thought – like, I didn't even think about the background of the artist who made the song. I just thought about the fact that it was the – it's the NBA – basketball song. <laughs> it's the like, song you, I mean if you're if you're angry about it being the Joker you should be angry that it's also played in every sports arena at every game in the history of sports. Well yeah except not They're since making 2006. Making that pedophile a lot of money. I was say not since know. 2006 which is when he uh, was, was he arrested? Like, convicted. Yeah I, so. I was reading up on it yesterday and it was like 482 counts of Jesus indecent well, his, sexual conduct. His computer wasn't working, so they, he was like, hey, He's fix it. And they <laughs> he went. told people originally he didn't have a computer because he didn't want people to think he was downloading child porn. The minute someone tells you that, yeah, they're probably a, a pedophile. That's a flag. <laughs> Odd defense. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you, where are you at, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> on the Joker. That much on the me, Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I, I'm still thinking about it. So, just the fact that, like I said earlier, that you make a movie that makes people think, I mm-hmm. think, is powerful. So mm-hmm. last week, <laughs> we were ripping into Todd Phillips a little bit for saying you couldn't do comedy anymore. I think Todd Sh- Phillips should go and make really fucked up, freaky movies that piss off Americans and, and make audiences uncomfortable because yeah. not a lot of people can make films like I, that. I do think it was, because what we kind of landed on was it's strange for him to seem so upset about not being able to make comedies anymore when exactly what he would what you would do with comedy is what he seemed to do, be doing, and this is before we had seen the movie, what he seems to be doing with the Joker, which is subverting yeah. expectations for the sake of a genre and the also, furthering of said genre. And that's 
it kind of exactly what the Joker is. I still just don't see how the hangover is edgy. <laughs> like, you can make that now. It'd be fine. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's a tattoo. It's because he got sued for the Mike Tyson tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, um, did you guys know that socks are the number one requested clothing item in homeless shelters? Mm. I didn't know that. Did you not? (laughs) Well, Bombas is on a mission to change that. Bombas created the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. And for every pair of socks purchased, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Designed with special comfort innovations, colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, Bombas are perfect for the whole family. Get your hands on a pair of Bombas socks and your feet will thank you. Bombas has donated over 20 million pairs and counting. They're made from super soft natural cotton. And every pair is designed with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's supportive but not too thick. Their new merino wool socks are designed to be breathable, dry, and never itchy, with just the right amount of thickness. With tons of different colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, Bombas also make the perfect gift for anyone on your list. I wear them every day. They are extremely comfortable, and the bright colors make my feet happy. I really loved the recent Sesame Street line, and now I have Cookie Monster brightening my day. I also really like supporting companies with a philanthropic mission who try to do good in this world. Save 20% on your first purchase when you shop at bombas.com filmhouse. So that's bombas.com slash filmhouse to save 20%. Bombas.com slash filmhouse. Thanks, Bomba, Bombas. Excuse me. Thanks, Bombas, for bringing us here this week uh, to talk about Joker. Um, yeah, do we have any other closing thoughts on Joker? We kind of danced around talking about the huge controversy around this film. There, there were, unfortunately, people want to say that it's just a movie. That doesn't inspire anyone to do anything. Art probably isn't responsible for the reactions to art, but there were a lot of assholes out there this weekend in Joker screenings causing trouble, trying to scare people. Um, so there's something real to it. What did I you do? I feel like that's a, that's a chicken egg situation where people <laughs> are doing it because of the media, though. I mean, quite possibly. I mean, so so is is this film dangerous for people? I just think that if something happens, then maybe we shouldn't search the wall posters on the walls of that person for the clues to that yes. person's psyche. We should probably talk to people who know know that person. I don't know. You're not going to get a clear indicator. I had a Once Upon a Time in Mexico poster right next to a Pirates of the Caribbean poster on my dorm room wall for a really long time. Not because I liked Pirates of the Caribbean all that much, but because I had a crush on Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you start reading into things, people are going to think I like Pirates of the Caribbean way more <laughs> than I did. Um, cer- certainly something like a film can't be responsible for people's actions, but... So you had two Johnny Depp posters on your wall? <laughs> I did. Yikes. I did. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked him in Once Upon a Time in Mexico when he got his yeah. eyes ripped out. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I like that movie too, but I don't want that movie to be the defining attribute of my life. Nope, you're going to be the <laughs> you're, Once you're Upon a Time guy. You're a perfectly sane person who knows the difference between fiction and reality. I think mm-hmm. most people are. and Most I, are, but there there is probably one person out there who isn't. Sure. And is I, this movie responsible to, for that person? I mean, it's the Mark David Chapman argument. You know, this guy was influenced by Taxi Driver to uh, kill John Lennon for the actress that was in that movie. <laughs> I don't know how you make those connections, but there you can't. Th- there are people who are unhinged, and I guess the you're right. This is well, Jodie Foster's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, she's she's got to she's got to live with that for the rest of her life. There is a little Joker. bit of a connection between Catcher in the Rye and Joker. Mm-hmm. In, in my mind, at least, about you know all the phonies, people not caring about each other. Sure, there, there's a thread of something similar. But in that's that's also a book where I remember reading it when I was, you know, uh, 
a young tween or whatever and being like, Holden's so cool. What a great character. And then when I got older and read the book in, it's like, he sucks. He's a real, he's a real dirt bag. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sort of, I don't know. You, you can shape your, per- I, I like media where you can, your perspective can change mm-hmm. based on your own personal, you know, choices or experiences. And I don't, I don't think you have to act upon it, but it, at the end of the day, just trying to say, like, good art, like you said, Dan, does make you think. Yeah. Uh, doesn't necessarily, I mean, there's a dis- difference between art and propaganda. There's the Joker, and then there's Triumph of the Will. Like, it, they're not one in the same, but they are delivered in the same medium. Triumph of the Will was a uh, Nazi propaganda mm-hmm. piece, which is actually uh, cited as being very inspirational towards uh-huh. uh, modern cinema. It's a great so, title. It's got some good shots. Um, bad, well, bad piece of media, though. So something that this movie reminded me a little bit about is the film Fight Club from the late 90s. Um, It's got a similar message at the beginning that, you know, there's society's broken. We care about the wrong things. We don't treat each other well. There's just no meaning in life. Um, And that was a movie when I saw it when I was 16 processed completely different than I see it when I think about or see the movie. You know, now I'm in my 30s. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, Fight Club was a satire and, and had a message, a moral message at the end as, you know, the narrator and Tyler Durden grow apart. In, in the Joker, they seem to start with that violence and that nihilism and just grow deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And there's no counteracting Batman. There's no moral acting against all this horrible violence. It just ends in this great statement that, you know, to solve society, we should burn it all down. And at the end of Fight Club, the narrator is like, wait, no, this is this is bad. We're, we're going to stop exploding all these buildings. I guess he didn't. But he, at least the character that you're in his head tries to stop this horrible violence. And in Joker, it just kind of ends by celebrating that violence. I, I do think in Joker's defense, just having thought about it a little more, there is something to be said for how unflinching the violence is. And it c- just... For the filmmaker's sake, there could be an effortfulness there to make you go like, oh, shit, fuck. Like, not at playing into people's excitement for violence, because, like, a John Wick movie can make violence kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I don't think the violence is very fun no, in Joker. No, off-putting, extremely. Um, so I do think there's a world where it's like, oh, well, we've shown you. Look how shocking and bad this is, just obviously without us doing other things to tell you. I don't know. For me, I don't know if that's enough. I think everyone's different. Yeah, well, that's so, relying on I, you to process it yeah, that way. Yeah, it it doesn't yeah. help you get there yeah. at all. Not that it needs to. Yeah, there's not... Most movies don't have one definitive answer to everything. I do think a weird thing about the conversation over the movie Joker is that some people seem to think that there's one definitive answer. Oh, no. In there, it, for, for all sides of it. People <laughs> fighting against, angry against it and people that are desperately for it. I don't think that this film has one answer. No. And to presume that it does may mean that you're misinterpreting it. Um, Cut to the clusterfuck of the comments section that this video is going to have. I was going to say, I I keep being told I'm misinterpreting it because I don't think it has one answer. It's like, well. So, I I, I think that's part of the fun, though. You're wrong. Apparently, I am. Apparently, I I am. I think at the end of the day, we're all wrong. But we're all right. (laughs) Does that lead into a sponsor? True. (laughs) We're out of sponsors. Oh, no. Yeah, we are. I mean, in terms of whether it has negative social impact, that's for people who are much smarter and are in fields like psychology 
mm-hmm. to discuss. I think I don't think that the general public who's making claims on that really has a place to do that. <laughs> but I have seen some people say some pretty fucked up shit coming out of seeing this movie. Like I was having a conversation with someone yesterday who was like, him stalking her wasn't actually bad. Like, he just followed her around for a day. What's the problem? She could have liked it. And I was like, don't stalk people. Do not follow a woman around for a day. What are you doing? And they're like, well, it's just like, if he'd been hot, then maybe she would have liked it. And I was like, dear God, no. <laughs> You're taking the wrong thing from this. I don't know how you yeah. take that from that yeah. movie. That might Yikes. Because yeah. I think it's like makes you feel bad for him that she doesn't like him. Well, sure. well there, there are a lot of sympathetic parts about, you know, Psychopaths, you know, they, mm-hmm. they they are rejected by society. They have trouble with sex and romance, whether that's with other women or their mothers. I've been watching a lot of Mindhunter, so <laughs> I'm in a really fucked up state. But but he showed all those telltale signs of someone who's gonna break, and yeah, they're I not mean, child good abuse things, is a really common part of that yeah, too. It, 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 there are parts of it that make you sympathetic, and maybe that that is one of the parts that crosses the line in the film. Is like it does try and make you sympathetic to Arthur in certain parts. Some people will immediately not be sympathetic to him because he murders. I mean, yeah, Some as, as soon like, as well, he, he was an abused child. killed the third guy, I was like, nah, you, we're done, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like you. I mean, it's it's hard to not feel for someone who's abused as a child. It's uh, pretty much impossible to get over that. That happens in reality a lot, though, too, with like a lot of mass shootings. It's often like, oh, he was a troubled individual, like he was a loner, he didn't have support. Like Society, society does that. Him, yeah, society him. does that, too, when a white kid commits a mass shooting. There's there's an aspect of shame that's really complex. I do think that Joker showcases a lot of shame. So in the example of him following her around, he kind of comes home and he's like, oh, that was, that was shameful. But I think shame is different. Shame is also sympathetic to a viewer in a lot of cases. Yeah. So I do think when you so, so, like it's like a sad dog, like the dog did something wrong but they look sad now, so you kind of feel bad for them. And so I think it is a more complex emotion in a lot of mm. cases. Yeah, I like that this movie explores mm. that. Yeah. It's, it's, that's part of what makes it challenging to watch, and I if like that about it. Only at the end, he he was running, but he was looking the wrong way, and then an ace chemical truck came, and, he, it, <laughs> and then he got splashed in the face, <sighs> and, then his, and then his makeup was permanent. And then this, and then a, a lone woman picks him up, she goes, what you doing there, Mr. J? <laughs> and and that's the post credit scene. <laughs> this, this is a different take on it, but just thinking, just this discussion here, which is, I think is what's cool about the movie, is that we can have a discussion. I can come up with things while we're while we're talking about it. He he basically takes action against all those he feel who have wronged him, mm-hmm. and I almost wish that he took action against those who were just present. Mm-hmm. You know, like. He perceives that people have wronged him. There's mm-hmm. the dude he works with who gave him the gun. There's his mom. There's Maury. There's all, uh, like, there's people subway who beat him up man. on the subway. Every mm-hmm. single person he takes action against is someone who he has a perception of having wronged him. And I think if you want to show someone being truly unhinged and being chaotic, it wouldn't have that kind of revenge theory to it. There so, have been more random. Yeah, yeah, they have to kill strangers. It yeah. could have just been a, a stranger or something. And then I think if you did that, it's harder to sympathize with him because he's not taking action against those who put him in a victimized position. He's taking action against anyone because he's unhinged. I mean, I felt really bad for his mom because it's like it sounds like she was awful to him when he was a kid, but she's so sweet throughout this whole movie that I was like, you implying that people can't change and they should be punished for things that they've done 20 years ago. Well, they also imply that she has psychosis as well. Yeah, she's sure. also crazy. So, yeah. I don't know. Or is Thomas Wayne the real villain? 
raped his mother and abandoned this child and cast her into Wait, wasn't AD. it supposed to be that they were the in Arkham love? Arkham Asylum. Pardon? Was, they were in love? I think I that was remember. what she said. If you're going to write a love note to someone, don't leave your initials. I don't know. <laughs> well, like, that, there's like evidence guilt. that it all happened, right? Uh, yeah. Once again, if you, if you go off, we can talk about this forever, but it's like <laughs> I'm going off the fact that this is just one of many origin stories he has concocted in his head. Because at the very end, they show him in a mental institution mm -hmm. and then walking away, somehow getting out of his cuffs with blood on his feet. That it's like, what, I think what makes the Joker interesting is that you have to call into question everything that he does. And that's what makes him interesting from a comic book character and I guess from a film character too. Mm -hmm. So that's, it, once you start going down of like, what really happened? It, the, I think the answer is it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's, that that was my takeaway. And that's what I, that's what I enjoyed as a fan of comic books of the Batman character and as uh, the, the ever-evolving DC universe, <laughs> save us J.J. Abrams. <laughs> I do love that shot at the end with, with the bloody footprints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it, it makes menacing. you, it makes you question. There's a lot of really good like, shots. This whole yeah. movie's so pretty. Once again, it's pretty pretty damn good movie from the guy who made The Hangover and did a <laughs> did a weird documentary about Gigi Allen. All right. <laughs> yeah. He's done some weird stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens next. Yeah. Curious to see what Joaquin does. I, I think he... Her, too. Hers. <laughs> Hers? Yeah. The rise of the phones. He's saying... I'm the movie confused. Her. He yeah. was oh, oh, oh. Spike oh. Jonze. <laughs> Lost you there. That's all right. He's gonna anyway, I, I do think Joaquin, other than Daniel Day-Lewis, who decides to work sometimes and not, he might be the very best actor we've got. Old. Um, I mean, he seems like a, a Daniel Day-Lewis type to me, which is why I'd be surprised for him to do a sequel, but... Uh, I actually watched There Will Be Blood immediately after watching Joker, which is my, oh my. first time seeing a Daniel Day-Lewis film. What? what? Yeah, what? I know. And I was like, oh my God, he's he incredible. The deep end, yeah. <laughs> yeah you gotta, uh, but I thought that movie like kind of has some similarities in that it's like a movie about someone who's sociopathic mm -hmm. and awful, but I felt a lot watching that movie because I had a lot of sympathy for all of the different people involved and I understood his motives. It was like a very different experience watching those two things who are still centered on a dude who's doing really shitty stuff mm -hmm. and and sometimes feels shame and sometimes has sympathy. Plus. Despicable character study. Is yeah. a new <laughs> genre of film. <laughs> all right. When did There Will Be Blood come Go. out? Oh, uh, a long time ago. Well, so here's the you should watch Gangs, Gangs of New York. Yeah. Yeah. Watch Gangs of New York because the that movie isn't good. But he's amazing in it. Didn't like they have to like pull him out of hiding to get him to be yes, in that movie? Yes, he was, he he was, was making cobbler. shoes in, yeah. uh, in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then also, Last of the Mohicans is if you want to know what an amazing actor is at a as a heartthrob lead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't like say he's particularly great in that movie, but mm -hmm. it but is a great movie. But it's funny to see the range because, yeah. you know, acting's all about range. And then uh, Phantom, Phantom Thread, Thread yeah. is fucking yeah. another, he is an utter asshole who you're like, Anderson. but I'm kind of drawn to him. No one's going to mention My Left Foot. Never I mean, yeah, yes, but My Left Foot is just so hard to watch. Yeah. I was, I I've was, never been able to sit through the whole thing because it's excruciating. I watched it as a kid and I was unsure if that was an actor or not. Because yeah, he's it is disabled in that movie? Cerebral, yeah. cerebral palsy, yeah. oh, I believe. Okay. He, but he could, it's based on a true story of a guy who could only, he could paint with his left foot because mm. it's the only part of his body he could control. Yeah. And so it's Daniel Day-Lewis in a wheelchair or wheelbarrow, some type of wheeled <laughs> base. I mean, because he was poor, the parents would just put him in a wheelbarrow uh -huh. and he's just shaking the whole time. You're like, dear God. Yeah, but he's a method uh, actor, so yeah. he stayed in the fucking wheelchair the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it damaged Crucible's him Crucible's good. He's amazing. Like, in There Will Be Blood, I was like, oh my god, this dude is incredible. Like, I see it. I totally see it. Mm -hmm. He is incredible. I mean, Walking mm -hmm. Phoenix is too, though, for sure. Yeah, I'd like to see them fight. 
<laughs> like MMA. Yeah, yeah. Right. Joker yeah. off. Back, actors it. fighting would be a great show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was called Celebrity Deathmatch. Oh, damn. They did it <laughs> with Clay. <laughs> MTV, 1998. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're pretty much out of time. Any other closing thoughts, you guys? If, I mean, if you haven't already seen it, sorry for all the spoilers, but I do recommend pretty much everyone sees this movie. I think it's very interesting. Um, if you want a similar version or something similar to this, uh, there's a television show that just started back up called Mr. Robot, and it's fourth and final season. Oh, yeah. And it has kind of a Fight Club vibe to it, kind of a Joker vibe, if you're looking for something where people are uh, just uh, just disenfranchised with their own society. It's a, it's a pretty good show. Uh, I'm also going to say uh, Parasite. I know we mentioned it last time. Really is that actually out this weekend? Finally, I think it's yeah. out on the 11th mm. or something like that, maybe. Um, but either way, is incredible. And then Dark Crystal, Age <laughs> of Resistance, has nothing to do with the Joker as far <laughs> as I can tell, um, but it is an incredible piece of media. <laughs> also, I really like that one scene where he stabs the guy in the eye and then the other guy doesn't know if he can get out of the, mm-hmm. the room. It was yeah. like something really haunting about that. Like, I great. can't reach it. Also, I saw oh, Hustlers, also great. <laughs> Any thoughts on Brightburn, James? Oh, yeah. Adam and I saw Brightburn. Did you really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And? That's it. That's just okay, want to throw yeah, that one out there. Excellent. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. <laughs> um, we don't have time to talk about the, ins- get, uh, the Inspector Gadget reboot, which is apparently happening. <laughs> we'll have to do that one next week. Um, thanks for coming around, you guys. Thanks again to Bombus and Muggsy Jeans for sponsoring our show this week. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for coming around. Thank Bye. you guys for coming. <laughs>